right, everyone, it's time to open our Bibles. If you will, take out a copy of Scripture. Turn with me to the book of Romans today. New Testament book of Romans, chapter 12. We'll be in verses 3 through 8. Romans 12, 3 through 8. As the rain comes down on us this morning, and probably all day, it seems, and the snow was here yesterday and the days before, I'm reminded of that great passage in Isaiah 55 where it says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, And making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. God says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish the purposes for which I sent it. And so every Sunday morning as we open God's word, that is my hope. That is my my joy. That, That is what I put my trust in. That God's word will not return to him empty or void. It will accomplish the purposes For which he sent it. And today we come to God's word in Romans chapter 12. Now last week we looked at the spiritual discipline of giving. We said the new year it's a perfect time to take stock of your spiritual life. Of your pursuit of God. Of your personal holiness. It's a great time to look at how you've been following Jesus. How you're doing in that area of life. And how you'd like to grow this year in following Jesus. And so this week, I want to continue that theme with a look at another spiritual discipline. And we'll combine these kind of two topics into one because they're, they're so similar. Church membership and service in the local church. That's what we're looking at today. Church membership and service in the local church. Just like with giving last week, this is not a sermon about our church getting what we want out of all of you. That is not what I'm trying to do today. It's about your own walk with Jesus. It's about your own spiritual health. Serving as a member in a local body of Christ is essential to the spiritual health of every Christian. And so this is about you. This is about your growth in Christ. In the New Testament, a healthy, mature follower of Jesus is pictured as one who is an involved member of a local church regularly serving those in their church family. And with that in our minds, let's go to God's word. This is God's word through the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, starting in verse 3. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I want to point you this morning to a few things that you see in that text, starting with what Paul says at the very outset in verse 3. Look back there with me at the beginning how he says, By the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself 
more highly than he ought to think. Brothers and sisters, when we consider ourselves as members of this body of Christ, we need to remember we cannot think too highly of ourselves. Do not think too highly of yourself. You are one part of this body. One part of this body, which means you should not think too highly of yourself. Specifically, I think this becomes practical to us in a few ways. First, your contribution, your contribution to this church is not more important than anyone else's. Do not begin to think that your contribution to this church is more important than anyone else's. The one who gives, the one who does acts of mercy, the one who takes care of crying babies in the nursery, the one who makes food, the one who writes cards, they are just as important as those who are in leadership positions. Service in the local church may be as public and as upfront as preaching or teaching, but usually it's as behind the scenes as nursery duty. Service may be as visible as leading worship, but usually it's as unnoticed as running the sound to amplify those leading worship. Serving may be as appreciated as being the chairman of the elders or deacons, but usually it's as thankless as coordinating meals for a funeral dinner or cleaning the dishes and taking out the trash after a potluck meal. Don't think of yourself too highly. No matter what you do, no matter how visible it seems, no matter how essential to the church it may seem, your contribution is not more important than anyone else's. Do not begin to assume that your contribution to this church is so essential that the church would crater without you. The church does not need any one of us. One of the greatest lessons in all of Scripture is when Moses, the man of God, the greatest man of God up until that point in history, dies, and God says, Joshua, you're the new leader, get the people, let's go. They move right along. Why? Because no matter how important someone may seem, none of us are essential to God's mission. The church will not crater without any of us, right? None of us are more important to the body of Christ, and our contribution is not more important than anyone else's. And so don't think too highly of yourself in that way, but there's another way, a kind of equal but opposite way that we need to remember we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves, and it's this. You're not too important to serve. You're not too important to serve the church. If you think serving is for everyone else except you, perhaps you are thinking too highly of yourself. There will be times in this church where we'll put out a call for a need, perhaps making food or volunteering for an event or some such thing. And you may think, well, but but where I want to serve, where I really want to serve is teaching or being on the praise team or something a little bit more upfront than that. However, at that moment, those are not the needs. Picture in your mind a young man in his first year of seminary. And he is so eager to learn the deep doctrines of the word of God and to teach it to others. And he starts attending a local church right by the seminary known for its biblical preaching and teaching. 
And after a couple weeks of attending, he asks for a meeting with the minister. And they, they sit down. The minister gives him his time graciously. And the young man says, you know, I'm going to seminary. I'm learning all of these things about the Bible. I'm really digging in. And, and I wanted to come to this church so that I could be involved in a local congregation. I'd love to serve here. I'd love to, to maybe teach a class or maybe, maybe preach a sermon every now and then. Is there any way I could serve at this church? And the minister looks at him and he says, absolutely. We've got plenty of ways to serve. I'll tell you what, why don't you go home and, and I'll, I'll do some, some work here. And then in a couple days, I'll send you a card out and you'll, you'll receive your instructions on where I'm going to put you. And I'll put you on some place to serve. And the young man goes away excited. He's, he's so excited. He's chomping at the bit. He can't wait to receive that card in the mail. He goes home and a couple days later, the card comes and he opens it eagerly anticipating what important thing he might be, be doing. And he opens it and it says, you have nursery duty for the next three Sundays in a row. Show up at the nursery 30 minutes early. Please wash your hands. And he looks at it dejected. But he shows up that first Sunday and he does his nursery duty and he talks a little bit to the other ladies who are in there and he feels completely out of place. And then he goes home and he thinks, gosh, this is not me. This is not my spiritual gift, right? And he goes to meet the minister that week again. And he says, hey, I, I know I, I told you I wanted to serve, but nursery duty, really? And, and the minister says, I didn't think that was likely your spiritual gift. I get it. Um, just serve out your, your term, do your duty there next two Sundays. And then after that, we'll send you another card in the mail. I'll put you somewhere else. Sorry about that. And the man goes home and he, he serves the next two weeks nursery duty. And you know how it goes. He, he gets spit up on a couple times and he has to change a diaper. And he learns. And then after that third week, a couple days later, a card arrives in the mail. And he's like, all right, what's it going to be? And he opens the card and it says, uh, we need someone to take a meal to one of our shut-ins on Tuesday evening and Friday evening. So that's your job. You see, if that minister had asked that young man to preach on Sunday, he'd have moved around his schedule. He'd have carved out time to prepare. He'd have invested all of his energy and all of his mental faculties, all of his physical energy in doing the best he could do. But what about for those other needs? You see, if I was to ask you, perhaps, to... Share your testimony in front of the whole church. Now, I know some of you, that would make you buckle down and your knees would give way. But some people would, would be like, yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll get up there and I'm going to prepare as best as I can. And I'm going to carve out time and I'm going to make sure I'm there on that Sunday. But what if you were asked to fix something in the building? Would you invest the same time, the same energy, carve out your schedule to make sure it happened? John Newton the man who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace once wrote, If two angels were to receive at the same moment a commission from God, one to go down and rule earth's grandest empire, the other to go down and sweep the streets of its meanest village, it would be a matter of entire indifference to each which service fell to his lot, the post of ruler or the post of scavenger. For the joy of the angels lies only in obedience to God's will. That should be us. The mature follower of Jesus is the one who has learned to embrace the mundane, the hidden, the ordinary position of serving others in such a way that receives little reward and recognition here and now, 
but is building up rewards in heaven from the Father. They find a happy contentment in faithful service, not needing to be praised, but rather needing to serve because they are like Jesus. Remember Jesus in John 4.34 said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's what Jesus said. My food is to do God's will and to accomplish his work. His very food. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying the thing that gives me sustenance, the thing that gives me energy, the thing that I need to survive is to do God's will, is to serve God. Jesus needed it. It was his very food. Richard Foster, who has written a book on spiritual disciplines called Celebration of Discipline, he writes, of all the classical spiritual disciplines, service is the most conducive to the growth of humility. Of all the classical spiritual disciplines, reading your Bible, worshiping, praying, giving, fasting, service is the one the most conducive to the growth of humility. So let's think about this for a second. If you're a follower of Jesus today, every follower of Jesus who's genuinely wanting to seek the Lord from their heart, every one of us should be pursuing the virtue of humility. Humility is a virtue to be pursued, not in our culture, but in the church. In God's economy, in God's kingdom, humility is a virtue all followers of God should be pursuing. Well, do you want to grow in humility? It's a tricky one, right? How do you grow in humility? Well, one way is to be humiliated. God can humble you, and sometimes it's not very fun. But another way is to serve. You want to grow in humility, then serve. Get in there. Get our hands dirty. Let's serve one another, and we will grow in the virtue of humility. We will become more like Christ, the most humble man to ever live. And so, all of that to say, let us not think too highly of ourselves, brothers and sisters, as Paul admonishes us in verse 3. But also, Paul is telling us here in this passage to be a member of a church family. Be a member of a church family. Notice what he says in verses 4 and 5. He says, as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually, and watch this phrase, members one of another. Or he could say we are members of one another. We are members of each other. Members of this body of Christ, this church family. You see, church membership means committing to these people. That's what church membership is. Committing to these people here at Columbia Christian Church, or you can substitute in whatever other church you might attend if you're visiting, if you're listening in. Church membership means committing to these people. Committing to get to know them. Committing to serve them. Committing to love them and care for their needs. But let me tell you, Church membership will never make sense to you if all you want is a place to attend worship on Sunday mornings. It won't make sense. For church attenders, they hear people talk about church membership and they think, why would I want to do that? They just come sit and, and attend worship and go home. Why would I want to be a member of a particular church? Where's the benefit in that? 
It's like a couple that's dating. They've been dating for a while and people start saying, you, you guys should get married. And they look at them and they say, well, why do we need a ceremony and a piece of paper to prove our love for one another? Well, you don't. But dating is a situation where you leave the back door open. Dating is a situation where the back door is always open. I can leave anytime I get unsatisfied to the point to where I'm done with this, right? I can decide if this is not working for me anymore that I can get out of it. The back door is always open. Whereas marriage is locking that back door and throwing, the, throwing away the key. Marriage is saying, I'm sticking with you through sickness and in health. For richer or for poorer, even when you annoy me, even when you gain weight, even when you hurt me deeply, even if I have to take care of you through a debilitating illness, warts and all, till death do us part, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. That's marriage, right? Marriage is locking that back door and throwing away the key and saying, till death do us part. We're going to have to forgive one another. We're going to have to work through hard things with one another. We're going to have to get past all of each other's little idiosyncrasies. But we're here. We're not going anywhere. And so, brothers and sisters, don't date the church. Don't date the church. Commit. And I'm not saying you have to commit here. I'm just saying commit to a family of believers. Commit to a church family, commit to becoming a member of that church and committing to those people wherever you're at. Because church membership doesn't make sense if all you want is a place to attend worship on Sunday mornings. Let me tell you, you won't find that in the Bible. You won't find anywhere in the Bible a Christian who their idea of being a Christian with Other people in a church is just attending one worship service one time a week, most weeks. What you will find are 60 one another commandments in the New Testament. 60 different commandments in the New Testament. There are 60 different commandments in the New Testament that have the the, the phrase one another within them. Commandments like bear one another's burdens, instruct one another, rebuke one another. Exhort one another, comfort one another, honor one another, submit to one another, pray for one another, confess your sins to one another. How can you do those things if being involved in a local church just means attending a one-hour worship service once a week, most weeks? How can you obey those commandments? The one another's are talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, this is an exhortation here in Romans 12, 3 through 8, for us to be members, involved, committed members of a local church. We are members of one another, or at least we should be. And then finally, Paul tells us, Paul exhorts us to serve the body of Christ. Serve the body of Christ that you are in. Look at verse 6. He says, That having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And he goes on to list a number of them. And so there are different kinds of gifts, right? And thus there are different ways to serve. Look at verse 4 there. In verse 4 he says that the members do not all have the same function. Different gifts, different members, different ways to serve. 
And so the question is, how will you serve? It's a question for each one of us. How will I serve in my local church? Now let me tell you a secret. Of all the lists in the New Testament of spiritual gifts, and there are, there are a number of them. There are a number of places in the New Testament where you can find lists of different spiritual gifts. Sitting in a worship service once a week is not listed among them. It's not. How are you going to be involved in the body of Christ? How are you going to be involved in the body of Christ? Some of the people that I am most thankful for in this church and in other churches that I have served are ones who have taken on a small role to serve and they do it continually. That's their perpetual ministry to the church, their perpetual way that they serve the church. They don't take breaks. They don't just take one chance here or there. They just say, I'm going to do this all the time. And I'm not asking for a break. It's, it's my ministry to the church. It's the way I serve these people. We have people who teach Sunday school, and they don't just do it for a little while and then ask for a break. It's their ongoing ministry. We have people who lead teams to make sure our property is well-maintained. We've got people who lead in coordinating all our fellowship events, and they don't just take one job here and there. They serve continually in that ministry. So ask yourself this question. Is there a ministry that you can get involved with where it's not just here and there, it's not just every now and then, but it's your perpetual ministry to this body of Christ, to these people, the way that you continually serve. And another point, too, that we need to understand, serving is not only done here at the building when the church is gathered. One of the things that we can tend to start thinking is, okay, if I want to serve in the church, I've got to figure out something to do on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, or Wednesday nights when the church comes together at the church building. But that's not the only way to serve the church. One of my favorite ministries here at Columbia Christian is the benevolence team. Now, we've got a benevolence team who does many different things, but one of the things they do is they've got this binder, very simple little binder that they pass around to each other, and you get it for a week if you're on the team. You, you get your week on the benevolence team. And then that binder has a list of people in our church that have needs. Perhaps it's a, a shut-in that, that can't really make it to any of our worship services. Perhaps it's somebody who just recently experienced a surgery. Perhaps it's somebody who's recently been ill or whatever their needs are. But it's a list of people that we've determined lately have needs and their contact information. And you take that binder, you're weak, and you, you contact those people. Maybe you send a card. Maybe you give a phone call. Maybe you go give a visit. Maybe you take a meal. But our benevolence team commits to doing that. You don't have it every week, but you've got your week, right? And so every single week, those people in our church that you guys might not see much of because they have certain needs, particular needs right now in their season of life, the benevolence team is making sure those people get contacts and encouragement week after week after week after week, right? And so all this to point out, you don't have to be serving in a way that's here at the building when the church is gathered. You don't even have to be on the benevolence team to do this stuff. Get yourself a church directory. If you don't have one, ask me, ask Carol, ask one of us. Get yourself a church directory, look through it, and contact people who, who just jump out at you or on your heart. Go visit one of them, right? Just give them an encouragement. Tell them you've been thinking about them. How can I pray for you? Is there anything I can do for you? 
How's the, the Lord blessing you lately? Just have a conversation with them that's spiritual in nature. You can do this no matter who you are. You don't have to be a pastor to do this. You don't have to be an elder to do this. You don't have to be a deacon. You don't have to be on the benevolence team to do this. You don't have to be a man to do this. You don't even have to be a grown-up to do this. Teenagers, there is nothing keeping you guys from serving in the way that the rest of the grown-ups sitting around you right now are serving. You're just as much a part of this church and a member of this church as I am, right? And we're all called to be a part of it. This is a church family. Think about your own families. In a family, everyone has jobs to do. Everyone has ways that they contribute. My wife and I don't split all the chores 50-50. It's more like 90-10. But no, it, it's, what I mean is we don't split every chore 50-50. There are some chores where we're not sitting there saying, we need to make sure you do this half the time and I do this half the time. No, some of them we just take. Right? And we just like that's my perpetual chore, my perpetual thing that I do to contribute to the family. Our kids even have things that they do that are, are similar. Even babies and the elderly contribute to the family in ways. Now, there are seasons of life when you don't contribute as much, right? There are seasons of life when you have to let others serve you in a family and in the church. The same is true in the church. There are seasons of life where you're not going to be able to contribute as much. You're going to have to let people serve you. Remember Peter in the upper room the night before Jesus died. The Last Supper, Peter has to let Jesus wash his feet. And it's hard for him. And Jesus says, Peter, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Guys, some of us are bad at this. Some of us think... I don't need to be served by other people. I need to serve all the time, but I don't need anyone to know my needs. I don't need anyone to, to give anything to me, to, to do anything for me. I'm fine, right? Peter had to let Jesus wash his feet, and it was hard for him. That's an encouraging word and a challenging word to those of us who tend to be a lot more self-reliant than we should in the body of Christ. There will be seasons of life where you don't contribute as much, You have to let others serve you. But our default, our default should be, how can I serve this body? How can I serve this family? So how do you figure out how you're gifted to serve? How do you figure out the way that you're gifted, your spiritual gifts? How do you figure it out? It's very simple. It's very easy. The way that you figure out how you're gifted to serve is by serving. It's by serving. It's trial and error. It's getting in there. It's by trying things. It's by getting involved. And some things that you do, you'll be like, hey, I was glad to meet a need, but that's, that's probably not where I'm gifted to serve perpetually. Other times you'll come into a thing and you'll think, I, I don't know much about this. I don't know what I'm getting into. And then you get out of it and you think, my, my heart was really satisfied by what just happened. Maybe I should try that again. Maybe that is a spiritual gift and I'm not realizing it. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to pass you out pieces of paper that have a spiritual gifts inventory test and have you go home in the privacy of your own room away from the other brothers and sisters in Christ that you have and try to figure out your spiritual gifts that way. There's absolutely nothing in the Bible suggesting that the way you figure out what your spiritual gift is is by getting away from the body of Christ, by getting alone, by deciding on your own. No, you serve. You get involved. 
God has given us the body of Christ not only to have a place to use our gifts, but as the place to figure out what gifts we actually have. And so volunteer, show up, fill a need, and then as you do, you will figure it out. Today, for the the first Sunday of, of this year, out on the bulletin board as you leave today, We've got our ministry team signups going on. That bulletin board to your left. Up on the screen right now is a list of all of our ministry teams. After the service today, if you go out here and turn left at the bulletin board, you're going to see all these yellow pieces of paper. And it's a list of signups for all of these teams. Here's what a ministry team is. A ministry team is the way for members of our church to sign up and participate in a certain area of the congregation. What these teams do is they meet regularly, usually about once a month, sometimes maybe even a little less than once a month. And at those meetings, they decide, okay, what work needs to be done in this particular area of the church? And then let's divide up that work, and then let's go do it. Let's go take care of that area of the church. And so you might see a ministry team there where you're like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not gifted in worship and music, but I could, I could fix stuff. I could be on the property team. Or I, I'm, I'm really not gifted in, uh, I don't know, decoration, but I could be on the finance and budget team. Right? You, you, everybody can serve in some kind of way. Teenagers, this is for you too. Right? When we vote in December, if you're 15 and up, you can vote. I say if you're 15 and up, you can be on one of these ministry teams. You can come to that team and be just as much a part of it as any of us, quote-unquote, grown-ups in the church, because you're a member too, right? But these ministry teams, we're doing sign-ups right now for 2022, and if you're, you've been thinking, I want to get involved, but I don't really know the best way to start, here's a nice little easy entry point into serving in the church. Now, like I said before, this sermon is not about us getting what we want out of you. I am not worried about us getting enough people on our ministry teams. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is your own spiritual lives. What I'm worried about is your own pursuit of God. I want to make 2022 the year that we pursue God like never before. I want to make in your life, I want to help you make in your life the year 2022 be the year that you started to pursue God in a way you never had before. Deeper than you ever had before. With more energy and excitement than you ever had before. With more devotion than you ever had before. Let's make 2022 the year of pursuing the Lord. And one of the things that you've got to do if you want to pursue the Lord, the way the New Testament tells us to do it, We've got to get involved with a body of Christ, commit to a group of people, and commit to serving them in some way. And so consider that. Immediately after the worship service today, you can go sign up for one of those teams. And then the leaders of those teams will be contacting everybody who signs up saying, hey, here's our first meeting. Thanks for joining. All I got to do is show up. And when you show up, you just be like, hey, I, I want to help in however I can. I don't really know what to do, but I'm here. I'm available. What can I do? That's all you need. Consider Jesus, brothers and sisters. In all of this, consider Christ, who said he came not to be served, but to serve. Who took the place of a servant. Christ, the incarnate Son of God, who took off his outer garment, knelt down, wrapped a towel around his waist, and washed his disciples' feet. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He put the wants and the needs of others ahead of his own. 
to the point that he was willing to give up his own life and suffer and die a torturous death so that you could have the forgiveness of your sins and eternity in heaven with him. If he could give up so much for us, can we not take the same attitude? Can we not have the same heart and give of our time and our energy for the good of our brothers and sisters in Christ? Right now we're going to have a few moments of silent prayer where all of us can speak back to God whatever response we need to give to him who just spoke so much to us through his word. This is a time of silent prayer for all of us to go to the Lord, for all of us to respond to his word that he just gave to us. So we'll do that for a few moments. After we have our silent prayer individually, we'll come back and we'll have an invitation time where we invite those who need to respond to God's word publicly to do so. Let's pray right now together.